Presented by WeshFinancial.com. This is Wealth Built to Last. Hello, hello, hello. Marlon West here with West Financial, and welcome to another episode of our Wealth Built to Last show where we share the time-honored principles of growing, preserving, and transferring personal wealth. Uh, West Financial is a private wealth firm uh, that creates and implements wealth-building plans for first-generation professionals and entrepreneurs. You can learn more about us at westfinancial.com. And on to the show. The title of today's show is... 12, quest, uh, 12 questions to ask before buying into any investment. 12 questions to ask before buying into any investment. So look, you know, as first-generation professionals, entrepreneurs, uh, we probably, we, you know, really don't have any issue with hard work. We have no issue with grit. We have no issue with coming up with creative solutions to challenges. Uh, we're really good at problem solving. Uh, we've got drive. We've got determination. There's an obstacle. We find a way around it. I would say if there is one glaring weakness that I find true with myself and my personal experience and in my interactions uh, with other first-gen professionals and entrepreneurs it's and really this is it's nothing that we've done it's just based on the way we were raised the way we entered the workforce the way uh, we've navigated life but the one weakness is that we struggle with knowing the right questions to ask i can remember you know navigating college on my own and you know just being a okay with the syllabus uh you tell me that the bookstore is over here. Okay, I go get my books. Uh, but I never knew questions to ask about like, hey, um, is there a way I can get this book for a cheaper cost? You know, I think it was like my sophomore year before I started renting any uh, books. I didn't realize I had that option. Uh, uh, that's just my college experience. There's so many different things, different experiences, whether it's in starting your own business, uh, you know, buying your first home, your first job that you have. So often, we just don't know the right questions to ask to put us in an advantageous position. And really, not knowing those questions, it, it, it affects what we're able to take advantage of, right? It affects our ability to... Uh, create a personal financial plan that's aligned with our goals and values. It leaves us, you know, in my experience, it leaves us glaringly vulnerable to unscrupulous salespeople who gladly exploit uh, people like you and me who don't know how to ask the right questions to get to the bottom of things. And what ends up happening is that at the end of the day, we're left in a bad position because we had a false sense of security um, around the benefits that a particular uh, investment or product or strategy claims to have. Here's the good thing, or not the good thing, but here's the thing. Uh, the fact 
If you want to build wealth that lasts for yourself, lasts for your family, you have to be able to weed out good investments from bad ones, good strategies from bad strategies, good advisors from bad advisors. So how do you go about telling the difference between the two? Well, it comes down to the quality of questions we ask. I don't know why I'm struggling saying the word question today. Questions. <laughs> but it comes down to the quality of the questions we ask. Having a template of questions that uncover the implications of the actions, uh, the implications of your actions with your finances, that's the key. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you the 12 questions that I believe are so important that you ask yourself and you ask uh, your, any financial professional before entering any engagement or buying into any investment strategy, product, service, what have you. Let's start with question one. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Here we go. Question number one. What am I trying to accomplish? This speaks to your intention, your purpose. I say it over and over again that if you focus on your intentions, the solutions to your challenges, whether it's saving for retirement, uh, buying a house, what have you, the solutions to your challenges become instantly visible. If your intention is specific and it's clear, not just general, not just, oh, I would love to save. I want to make sure I'm comfortable in retirement. I don't know what that means. What does comfortable look like to you? What exactly are you trying to accomplish? Question number two, when do I want to accomplish it by? This is so important. Because not all investments are created equal. Not all strategies are created equal. For the most part, I'm very investment and strategy apathetic. I think different things can work for different types of people depending on their situation. But you've got to put some parameters around what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're trying to, you know, buy a house in the next two years, I'm not going to tell you to save for your house in a retirement, a qualified retirement savings plan because that type of plan requires you to wait until you're 60 before you can take money out of it without taxes and penalties. So knowing what your goal is specifically and what your time horizon for needing, uh, uh, for needing the money for that goal is important and any uh, professional that comes around and says, I have this awesome strategy, I have this you know, awesome product, you need to know exactly what you yourself are trying to accomplish and when you're trying to accomplish it by. Which leads us to question number three. What is the dollar amount that you need to achieve that goal? This is very, very important because there are hundreds and thousands of strategies to, quote, make you money. But if the strategy is making you $1 and you need $2, uh, and you need two or $10, is that the right strategy for you? 
I submit that it is not. <laughs> of course it's not. So you need to be super clear about what it is exactly you need. Uh, money-wise in order for you to reach your goal. If that professional that comes along and is hawking some fancy-schmancy plan, some fancy-schmancy product or strategy, and the dollar amount that it's providing isn't aligned to what you need, you better tell that person to take a hike. Question number four, what do I have to give up today in order to achieve it? Very, very important question. Reason why this question is so important is that we are humans. And I believe as human beings that we have a bias towards hope. I think that's a good thing. I'm an extremely hopeful person. My wife always says that I'm a pessimist. And I always like to say I'm a realist and hope is what gets me over what I perceive as challenges. Here's the thing, though. We've got to be very logical with our money. We have to be very logical about what we need. What you don't want happening is to get so full of hope that some strategy, some fun, something is going to make you so much more money in a certain amount of time that it's worth you giving up money that you literally need to survive today. I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I don't need an extra you know, streaming subscription, I can get rid of that and, you know, save some money and then put that money aside. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about jeopardizing what you need to to, to subsist, to live on today for the hope that something is going to pay off tomorrow without any real guarantee because you truly can't guarantee that type of stuff and without any type of foundation or, 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 or system to fall back on in case it doesn't work out. So if what you need to give up today in order to achieve it, if that's affecting your ability to eat today, it's not the right time for you to invest in that fund, in that strategy with that professional. Take care of today first. Make sure that if you part with money that you can't touch for some time, that it's not going to affect you negatively today, that you're still able to carry on. Question number five, how will my investment today be used in growing it? What that, what that means? Well, what I want to do is warn you against professionals and strategies out there that promise you all this growth with little to no downside. The name of the game when it comes to investment, the reason why it's called investment and not savings is because there's risk attached to it. It, it, it. it makes no sense for you to part with your money and that for somebody to give you more money for the money that you gave them if there wasn't a risk that you know you wouldn't get that money back. That's what you get paid for. That's what you get paid on. You don't get paid on, here's my 100 bucks. You get paid on, here's 100 bucks. I know that there's a chance, however small or however big, that I might not get this 100 bucks anymore. This person I gave the money to, their business might go under. You know, the economy might crash. And for that, brother, you're going to need to give me a heck of a lot more money at the back end for me to part with this money today. That's the concept of investing. 
So be very wary of those professionals that come around saying like, oh, yeah, I've got this awesome investment for you that's got all upside and no little to no downside. That is absurd. Don't believe it. Run from it. Question number six. When can I access my investment with no negative consequences? You've got to understand the, like I said before, you've got to understand the relationship between growth, time, and volatility. Uh, and you've got to be able to answer, am I able to be without this money in the long term? Is there a certain amount of time, uh, is there a certain amount of time that I have to tie up my money without being able to touch it? Um, and, and what is that time frame? You know, depending on your personal situation, Depending, like I said, that first goal, uh, uh, question number one, what is it exactly you're trying to accomplish? If you want to buy that house within a year or two years, it makes no sense for you to tie up uh, uh, your money in an investment that is highly volatile uh, be because the chances are in two years you may not have that money. You may have that money in five years, seven years, ten years, but in two years, it's a real possibility that it won't be there. So when can I access my investment with no negative consequences? The other part of that is understanding the relation with taxes and penalties. You know, the, the, the government at the federal level, state level, local level has their hands in our pocket. And they allow us to save. They allow us to invest and say like, oh, you know, you don't have to pay us taxes today, but you're always going to have to pay taxes eventually. So you want to know if I need that money for whatever reason down the road? What's the soonest I can access it? And if the question is that it's longer than you need, the, it's, it's a longer time frame that works for what you need, you probably should look at a different strategy to put your money in. Question number seven, what are the implications of me accessing my investment? This is really tied to the first question. If I touch my, if I give you this money and I put it away, if I touch it 12 months from now, is something going to happen? Do I, am I able to do that? Will I have to pay taxes? Will I have to pay fees? Are there surrender penalties? What are the implications of me accessing my investment? Question eight, what can I expect my investment to be at the time of maturity? Now, there are two reasons why I ask this question. The first reason is, I'd like to weed out the type of professionals who illegally, I might add, promise or assure people like you and me that, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, this investment, it's going to return, you know, 25%, no problem at all, you know. They get us all excited about things that, one, they are not allowed to say to you, a professional can say to you, this investment in the past three, five, seven, ten years have historically earned a certain amount of money. Sure, they can say that. But it has to be taken with a caveat that past performance is not an indication of future performance. All right. So the first part of the reason I ask this question is to see, do I have a bullshitter on my hand? Do I have a professional who will say anything to get the sale? The second part of that is to understand 
you know, the first two questions, we not only set up that goal, but we also set up that dollar amount needed to fund that goal. If so, and if the money we tie up for a certain period of time, if the money at the end we can't realistically, uh, um, we can't realistically forecast that it will meet the dollar amount of the goal we have, then it's not the right strategy. It's not the right fund. It's not the right security for that specific goal. Keep searching. Question number nine. Is that number enough to fund my goals and needs? This is very important. I uh, I really hate doing this, but a lot of times this, this really, uh, I see this most often in the life insurance industry. Listen, guys, I have no problem with life insurance. I have three life insurance policies myself, okay? And life insurance is a, is, is a necessary, and not only necessary, it is typically the first part um, of building a wealth plan uh, because it allows you to transfer risk that you cannot reasonably self-insure to a third party for a lot less money. That's what it allows you to do. The problem that I keep coming across and the problem that a lot of my colleagues keep coming across is that the industry, the life insurance industry, has historically exaggerated the benefits of certain types of life insurance products. I'm not saying that, you know, life insurance doesn't play an important part. Of course it does. It plays a huge part. In fact, it's the cheapest way to transfer wealth from one generation to the immediate next generation. But the industry often exaggerates what it can do, what their individual products can do, specifically when we're talking about retirement planning. I just got off the phone yesterday with uh, an individual who owns like three chiropractic practices. She's a high income earner. She's got zero retirement savings, but she has three indexed universal life policies that she's paying into. And, you know, a cousin of hers that's an insurance salesperson sold to her with the understanding that this is her retirement. These policies aren't going to provide her the retirement she needs. She's forecasting that she needs $200,000 annually in her retirement years for her to live the type of lifestyle she wants. And she is nowhere close to getting that type of return from those policies. It breaks my heart. I see this over and over and over again. It's very important to not just look at features of a product. The features of a product would be, oh, you know, with this life insurance plan, you're able to save money as well as having a death benefit attached to it. Is that true? Uh, yeah, that's a feature. Absolutely. But the question is, is that number enough to fund my goals and needs? I have yet come across a situation where the answer to that question was yes with life insurance alone. Don't be duped by features of a product or a strategy. Make sure you are rooted in what you know that you want, how much it's going to cost, when you need that money by. All this talk about... Uh, and scrupulous practices brings us to question number 10. 
How is the professional handling my investments regulated? There are a ton of different professionals, and I'm putting professionals in quotation marks. Um, you've got financial coaches. You've got people that, you know, they put themselves out and say, like, I'm going to help you do X, Y, Z. But they're a coach. And what that means is that as a financial coach, they don't have to answer to anybody. They can just say, like, hey, this is what you should do. And they don't get in trouble. They're not held accountable. They're not regulated. They're just a coach. Anybody can be a coach. And then there are financial salespeople that are masquerading as advisors, typically found in big name. I'm not going to say the names. I'm not trying to get sued. <laughs> but typically in big name shops where the bottom line is this, all they care about sales, all their processes that look like financial planning. There's usually a person inside the office that just does that, you know, and for the most part, it's general information. There's not a ton of time taken uh, to really figure out your 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 individual challenges, uh, because the answer to those challenges will always be whatever product they're selling. Now, these some of these people are regulated by uh, the Securities Exchange Commission, but there are different levels of that. You know, uh, for example, you know, insurance salespeople, they're very much less regulated than a bank is regulated, than an investment management firm is regulated. And then there are, you know, true advisors that actually get to know you, get to know what your individual challenges are, and then create a plan that's holistic, that's comprehensive, that takes a look at that entire picture of your finances and creates a strategy that is individualized for you. So there are coaches, salespeople who call themselves advisors, and then there are actually true advisors. Well, how do you figure what that is? By asking question number 11. Who pays the professional for serving me? The industry is tricky. And that's why I always say, follow the money to know who to trust. If the company that the professional, again in quotes, is the one that pays them for selling you something, for providing a service to you, if there's no money that leaves your pocket to that person directly for their service and instead of just purchasing a product, that's a problem. I'm not saying that everybody who works on commissions is a bad person. I have many, many friends and mentors that receive commissions to serve their clients. All I'm saying is to think about it. Whoever pays the person is the person is, is, is who they have allegiance to. Whoever pays the professional is who the professional has allegiance to. So if the professional's company or whoever it is that they sold you a product through is the one who provided payment to that professional, their allegiance is not to you. They're acting as an agent of that institution. Does that mean you will be screwed? No. 
Have people been screwed because of that? Uh, yes. That's all I'm saying. The industry is tricky. And that's why you've got to ask number 12. Does this professional always have a fiduciary, fiduciary responsibility to me? It's so tricky in this industry that there are advisors out there that sometimes they act as fiduciaries and other times they don't. And it depends on what type of business they're trying to win any given day. So the question has to be, do you always in every interaction with me have a fiduciary responsibility to me and me alone? What does fiduciary mean? Well, fiduciary is a legal obligation to do what is in the best interest of the client at all times. A legal obligation to do what's in your best interest. If they can't give you a simple yes, if they say, oh, you know, we definitely offer fiduciary services or find a way to say that, yeah, sometimes they do, but not always, you better run. You better run for the hills. Listen, these 12 questions, they're guaranteed to give you an enormous, uh, an enormous amount of, of insight on whether a particular investment strategy, a particular professional is a good fit for you personally, not just a good idea in general, but for you personally. And to be honest, that's exactly the type of uh, uh, service that I provide to my clients. You know, uh, they always get an all-inclusive, goals-based, outcome-driven plan with specific action steps that are mapped out for them personally. So if our show today resonates with you and you feel that you want a financial plan that's a one-stop solution to building wealth that lasts and it's, it's mapped towards your values, your goals, your individuality – then I want to invite you to reach out to me at myfamilymoneyplan.com slash talk so we can start you on the way. These are free 45 minutes to an hour long clarity sessions where we dig deep into what's working with your finances and what's not working with your finances. And then we work to identify the bridge that can gap you, that can fill the gap between the two and get you to your desired outcome as quickly as possible. MyFamilyMoneyPlan.com slash talk. Schedule your free clarity session today. You won't regret it. Well, that's our show for today. I'm Marlon West with West Financial. Until next time, keep on building wealth that lasts. Bye for now. If you're enjoying our show, follow West Financial on our social channels. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And as always, our breakthrough sessions are completely free. So schedule yours today at myfamilymoneyplan.com slash talk.